Therapize Podcast. This is your host, Guy Hernandez. This is our mini-series, the beginning of our mini-series on my five keys to effective communication. And this is going to be part one. And this is going to be on assertiveness. Before we get to our segment two where we get into assertiveness, I'm just going to go over the other styles that I bring about with families of communication and how they can impact um, effective conflict resolution or growing together as a as a family or as a couple. And some of this could be verbal communication and some of it could also be nonverbal. So I'll try to give examples of both. Um, first off, we're going to start off with just passive communication. And what I want you to remember about passive communication, think of like pacifying. If there's a conflict that you have let's say with your partner and you're not addressing it you're pretending everything's fine or your partner asks you how's everything going and you say fine um, passive pacifying uh, being passive about the situation not actually addressing the conflict how I see this with families in uh, pretending to raising uh, children is it usually kind of is a walking on eggshells kind of interaction where maybe there's been a lot of tension between parents and child and they want to address the conflict or let's say they want to um, implement a consequence but there's this resistance um, because they're looking to avoid the uh, potential blow up or potential fight therefore resulting in passive communication kind of pacifying the situation and if we think about our stress response this is kind of a the more uh, avoidance response or the flight response, um, finding ways to avoid the stress, the potential stressful interaction. Let's say you need, uh, let's say you're in a relationship and you're needing maybe extra help, maybe support, maybe you want some more like quality time or time to kind of increase intimacy, or needing some more attention. Um, the passive form would be to just not simply not address it, just not say anything, and just say, "Oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's okay," and kind of uh, put your needs to the side. Um, the problem with this, this style of communication, is that it's incredibly unclear that there's something going on. So if we're trying to let's say strengthen our our intimate relationship or our romantic relationship bringing about bringing about issues needs um, addressing conflicts through verbal communication is highly important you know the opposite of that is to be passive and um, maybe ignore it or internally rationalize it that it's okay or this is the way it is um, however if nothing is brought up nothing can change and nothing can really develop and we can't read each other's minds so in a relationship it'd be really hard to know if your partner is needing some more help or support from you or wanting some more quality time if it's never said if it's just assumed okay so passive pretty straightforward just simply not addressing it and so the other person is not going to know that it's an issue at all passive think of pacifying okay this is like our flight response we're going to move on to the next one, which is my favorite, as passive-aggressive. 
The reason why it's my favorite because I feel like it's the one I see the most because in one sense it's still somewhat that flight response but also mixed with a little bit of fight response in that you're avoiding really addressing the issue but you throw just enough of a hint or a jab to that person so that they could kind of go, oh, well, something's going on. I don't really know what it is, but it's something. Still problematic because it's unclear. Also could become problematic because there's a kind of a subtle a attack in there. If we compare the difference between, um, say, with a partner, uh, a passive aggress aggressive statement on, let's say, someone that feels that they don't, they're not getting enough help or support from their partner. Well, the passive way would be to just simply not address it, kind of suppress it. The passive-aggressive way might be come out a statement like, oh, it'd be really nice if you helped me more around the house. Or, yeah, look, I did all this and uh, I didn't even expect to thank you or whatever it might be. But there's this suggested issue and a suggested problem with your partner that they're missing something or they're, they're not doing something correctly. Um way I might see this in a family is that let's say a kid actually does make progress and they the the parent has a response of like well it's about time you know it's about time you did your chores instead of uh, acknowledging the progress and thank you you know etc it's like there's still a jab in there that is kind of covering up what's really going on for the parent in that moment usually maybe it's that they don't trust that this will continue so they don't want to get too excited so kind of like acknowledge it but not get get too carried away with it sometimes because remember like this style of either passive or even passive aggressive it's a way to enter into a difficult reaction or a difficult interaction or potential conflict without becoming too vulnerable so we can either completely avoid addressing it or we can start to slightly address it yet protect ourselves just enough. So think of if your partner asks you how you're doing and there's a problem and you say, oh, everything's fine and that's not true. Passive style, we turn it into passive aggressive. We go, I'm fine. Right? There's like a different tone involved, maybe a sharper tone, a sarcastic tone, uh, maybe a, a snarkiness to it. Right? Throwing out this suggestion that there's a problem so passive-aggressive still problematic because it's still unclear and it kinda starts to remove the calmness of the interaction and the reason the calmness is is start to remove because there's there's a, a, a subtle attack in there and this doesn't necessarily have to be a verbal it could be nonverbal it could be an eye roll it could be like a really exaggerated sigh could be someone walking away and kind of slamming the door. Someone just ignoring you. Okay, so passive aggressive forms start to get the hint that something's someone is feeling bothered, and there's a, a sl slight displacement of discomfort onto the other person, but still incredibly unclear what the problem is, and also starts to in it kind of initiate. Uh, some more ineffective conflict. If you're the person receiving the passive-aggressive 
imagine how that feels. You go, why don't you just be direct? I don't know what it is. And then this kind of lends itself to usually some sort of argument or conflict that doesn't really resolve itself because, like I said, still unclear and the energy is starting to be a little less calm. Okay, but pretty straightforward, okay? And aggressive, our last one. Now, this one's also pretty straightforward, okay? Just think of it simply as it's the energy is no longer calm. Okay? The energy is intensified. Maybe there's some yelling, some verbal attacks. This could be blaming, too. This is your fault. Um, make, make, belittling the other person, like just attacking the other person, um, putting the other person on, def on defense, increased energy, volume, tone of voice. Okay, pretty straightforward. If we think of the response of the example of saying I'm fine, if we go through each one, partner asks you how you're doing, passive statement, I'm fine. Go to passive aggressive, I'm fine, right? Aggressive. I'm fine, right? A real shout. Um, I see this more so in teens, parents trying to check in on them. And uh, I could go through each one of those state. I've probably seen each one of those statements exist. And sometimes they do, they'll go through all three. They won't say anything. And then you get the passive aggressive one. Parent gets a little bit more upset. Then you get the aggressive statement. Okay. So what these three uh, what these three styles really lack is overall they lack clarity. They're not clear on what the problem really is. Passive style of communication, although it can it can remain the calmness, and I think that's sometimes the benefit for for people's trying to keep the peace, so to speak, or keep the calm. Once there's introduced a little bit of aggression, it starts to the calmness starts to disappear or dissipate. And then the other part too is all of these kind of lack confidence. Confidence to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and address your needs in a in an assertive way, which is going to take us into our part two. So what I'd like you to think about is how do you experience these styles? in your interactions. Maybe if you have kids, how does it, what kind of styles are you guys generally in? In times of conflict, maybe with a romantic partner, it's a lot of passive communication where you're just walking on eggshells, not really addressing needs. Maybe a lot of passive aggressive tension, or is it, you know, aggressive and volatile? So during the break, take some time think about this we're going to come back and just get into um, my main points of how to be assertive in your relationships and be assertive with your children in order to hopefully have more effective communication skills um, with within your relationships all right we'll be right back
Welcome back to part two of my episode on assertiveness, my first key to effective communication. And in part two, we're just going to talk about assertiveness. In part one, we went over passive, passive aggressive, and aggressive. And what we talked about them lacking is they lack clarity, they lack calmness, and they lack confidence. So when I'm teaching working with families, the baseline of assertiveness that I, I teach them is that it's the message is calm, it's clear, and it's confident. The importance of, in the message being calm, obviously, is that to try to reduce the, the tension in, in the interaction and to uh, reduce the stress that we feel in the interaction, but also um, allow an open space for, for effective communication to actually occur. Um, in terms of clarity or being clear, you know, obviously, so that the message can be heard and 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 received well, and then this could take some time too of you know checking for feedback, etc. And then the confidence part, and that's that's the part of really owning your statement, which is owning it is my part two. So we'll talk about that next on next episode. But you know, feel, feeling like you can own it and and become vulnerable in the situation that maybe you're avoiding or you're used to getting in more fight response potentially alright so some of my keys to being assertive too of creating the assertive statement is first to identify the feeling that you're experiencing and the need that you that you require to help with that feeling for example we talked about in part one let's say you're in a romantic relationship you're married or you have a, a partner and you're really needing more quality time with them how, so how the, the the feeling would may potentially be feeling disconnected from your partner maybe feeling lonely maybe feeling a coldness in the relationship and then the need is more time more quality time that's what we're addressing here and however that may look for you now when I've worked with some couples in the past when they when we talked about these steps the part that they're missing sometimes is they okay yeah I did tell my partner I did tell him I I need more quality time and say okay how did you tell them say you need to spend more time with me. You need to do more. You need to do this for me. You need to do this that for me. So what was happening there is, in my example, I'm saying you, you, you. I'm sure you guys all heard of I statements, and the reason why we go to I state statements, and this this is why I say own it, is keeping it ours as part of developing a sort of statement, is that when we say you, it suggests. It suggests that your partner in that moment is doing something wrong, that they're doing something incorrectly in a relationship, that they're doing something ineffective, versus that they're just doing what they're doing, and it's up to you, if, if there's an unmet need, to address it as your own need. How this would shift, instead of you need to spend more time, it it might look like, I'm feeling disconnected from you and I'd like to feel more connected. 
I'm I'm needing some more quality time together. This is how it might look. Asking if that can happen. Um, another part of uh, sort of communication too, and this is the big part, is to be patient and persistent. Persistent in that, not that you're um, keep addressing my need, but keep being persistent on using assertive language. Because what can often happen, and and ideally, when I'm working, I'm working in the moment with the couple or with the family, do the language together. That way, I can guide how the interaction goes. Because what can easily happen? Let's say, let's say you're you're just a person listening to this by yourself. And you're like, oh, I'm going to try this. And you go up to your partner and you try it and they have no idea. You try a different style of communication than they're used to. Their reaction might still be the same reaction that they're used to having. They still, Your partner still may have a reaction of feeling blamed or attacked because maybe that's whatever their patternized are used to in the relationship. Ideally, there's someone that could kind of monitor and be the the moderator of the interaction and help guide it or if or if you're listening to this with a partner that you could you know practice and kind of talk about how you think about this style together how how sometimes i actually get to this point with couples is that i'll usually have them stop talking and i'll tell them to write out a list of their needs in the relationship um some of their primary values and how they know their partner is meeting those needs is addressing those values all right let's jump over to an example of how this might look with addressing needs with your children now usually it's going to alter a little bit because in a romantic or a peer-to-peer relationship there's this uh, a level of compromise that exists but with your children that's going to potentially be less the less less often the case because it's a you can set your own rules and expectations for them to follow so what it would look like a little differently in, in a sort of manner let's say a parent is ready to introduce a new rule most often for me right now it's it's often been around electronic usage in the home with cell phones, iPads, computers, with all of that, all of those devices becoming much more accessible. Sometimes in these homes it gets to the point where it it come, it impedes the child's um, progress in either their academics or in their social life. So the parents go, okay, you know, we want to, we want to reduce their usage, but we know they're going to have an outburst. They're gonna they're gonna maybe have a have a blow up a, a big tantrum, so maybe they've been approaching it in a, a passive manner, and we're we're looking at getting or sometimes an aggressive manner, going and yelling and having this fight. Um, so we go okay, we're gonna do this assertively, still with the same idea of calm, clear, and confident. So what I would do is take the parents aside and go okay, what are your clear expectations then? If it, what are the expectations of electronic usage? in your household so they lay it out I say okay if rules aren't followed then what happens and then they lay it out okay let's say the child doesn't do chores he loses phone for a day whatever the system becomes but whatever the system it has to be incredibly clear 
and whatever the system, it has to be consistent. Okay. So then we go when I coach them to then approach this is expect that the expect that the child is going to react generally unfavorably. Usually it's not like okay cool you know you're, you're increasing restrictions on phone usage. Usually that's not the case. Usually there's some sort of pushback. So I said expect that and try not to get caught up in the fight or flight response. Be calm, clear, confident. So how it will look is parent goes in, talks with the child and says, we're going to switch the rules on electronics. You can now only use it two hours every night after you've gone to school, completed homework, and chores. And then maybe they have this reaction, that's not fair. I hate you. Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, you said what you need to say. You said it assertively. There was no attack. You addressed it so it's not passive. Right? So it's very clear now. Because the problems they run into is either just complete avoidance of addressing that there needs to be a shift. Or the more aggressive stuff. You need to get, you know, you need to get your actor. You should... Blah, blah, blah. It's very kind of um, sometimes stereotypical, you know, parent teen stress interaction. So that's how I would look in terms of how I would coach uh, parents up to implement something assertively. Now, one last example I'll go through, and then maybe this is with someone that maybe you're not as in a close relationship with. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone that maybe you have infrequent interactions with. And maybe the situation is that they're asking you to do something that you don't want to do, or maybe they're asking you to engage in a conversation that you don't want to engage in. And an assertive way to handle this could be just saying, remember, identify the feeling and the need. Um, I'm not comfortable with talking about that, or I'm not comfortable doing that. Uh, I'm going to pass. That's the need, owning it, I. The owning it part saying I, right? And now this doesn't necessarily apply with someone that you don't know too well. You could also use this to someone you do know. But just another example of of using an assertive language that maybe doesn't go to some sort of re- resolution. Uh, so in the other two examples, it was a, the the one about relationships is trying to gain some a further understanding and connection with a partner. The other assertive statement we applied it to setting boundaries, limits. And expectations with uh, your children and then this one is setting boundaries for yourself of not wanting to to go further in, a, in an interaction and, th- and that's okay and one last example um, in terms of assertive and this one's also going to come back to kind of the romantic relationship or just maybe someone you're really close with that it's worth to be vulnerable and have them understand how maybe an interaction felt well simply letting someone know that it hurt you felt hurt you felt hurt when when they said this i felt hurt when you said this or i felt hurt or uncared for when you did this or didn't do this in that way never putting blame on another person for what they what they did and how we felt because we have to like i said own our feelings and this is what we're going to talk about in in next episode is getting to the own it part really taking responsibility for our entire experience and that people have their own ways of approaching us and and it's up to us to to own how we feel but also own what we say
and when we're part of owning that taking responsibilities if we want things to improve own that and attempt to use more assertive language because generally if you sit and think about it in times of conflict what would, what were the styles that were occurring aggressiveness some passive aggressive passiveness have you ever gotten to the point of just having a sit down where the conversation is calm and clear and that you're approaching it with confidence the confidence to be vulnerable and e express what the experience has been like for you if it is, this is a romantic relationship or if it's in regards to your child of expressing clearly what the expectations are and not getting caught up in the child's potential reaction. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up. So assertiveness, you know, identifying the feeling, identifying the need, owning it, and then being patient and persistent um, to change maybe some of the ineffective patterns that maybe you've been stuck in. All right, stay tuned for a quick conclusion and updates on the future of the podcast. listening to part one of my five keys to effective communication on assertiveness stay tuned for next time when we're going to look at the idea of owning it taking personal responsibility for our own actions for our own feelings and how we are in our relationships some other updates we're hopefully going to have our two guests um in a couple months after we're done going through the five keys of effective communication also there is a Therapize podcast Facebook, so if you don't, if you're not following now, please follow, please share, please go on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please rate and write a review as it's all appreciated and helps very, very much. Lastly, I'm going. We're gonna do a giveaway when we get to a thousand listens. We're about halfway there now through five episodes. Um, so I'm hoping after we get through these five keys, we'll we'll hit our thousand. We're gonna do a giveaway. I'll give more details on how to enter the giveaway, but it'll essentially be a goodie bag of some therapized uh, podcast memorabilia. And lastly, please remember that therapized podcast is intended for informational purposes. It is not intended to replace your own mental health treatment. So if you are in need of treatment, please go out and and seek professional help in your area. And this is Guy Hernandez thanking you for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time.